Okay, welcome to another edition of the Adlo Podcast. Subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, what are you doing? So hit subscribe. Um, anyhow, uh, this is another exciting one for me. I Everybody who's been watching this knows I'm a big pro wrestling fan, and it doesn't get much bigger than Ricky Morton from the Rock and Roll Express, and I got him here on his birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Ricky Morton. Yeah, I, I, I'm as old as I look, too, buddy. I can probably... <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, thank you, Josh. It's a pleasure to be on, uh, what is this, Edlo Podcast? The Edlo Podcast. Yeah, I couldn't come up with a fancier name, so I mean, At first, when I thought, I thought it was the Elbow Podcast. <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. All you folks out there on the West Coast, man, it's uh, I'm on Eastern Time. And I yeah. just told him it's past my bedtime. No, I'm just kidding, brother. I... Uh, <laughs> been on the road for 50 years man <laughs> oh yeah yeah cool. Where, you, how long have you how long have you been in the wrestling business now because you're still active well dude i uh my dad i'm a second generation uh mm-hmm. so i've been in wrestling business all my life but there my dad he uh he pulled the wrestling ring and re- and uh, refereed and it's mm-hmm. how he fed our family and so I mean, ever since I could say I was in junior high school, I was on the road with him. So I I'd say around fifty five years, something like that. Man, and, long uh, time. Oh yeah, got I had my first match when I was sixteen years old. So that would be fifty one years ago. So uh, man, see, I know it's your podcast, but I'm asking the questions now. Uh, so what made you a big wrestling fan, dude? You know, I'll tell you, my kids, uh, or not my kids, my uh, my aunt and my dad, uh, They, it's actually an interesting story. I, my aunt took me just on a whim to the Arco Arena here in Sacramento, and we went to just a WWF match. And uh, I saw the British Bulldogs wrestle Beefcake and Valentine in a cage. I lost my voice. And then I just fell in love with it since then. And the how I discovered you and, and like Jim Crockett promotions is I would go to the old video stores and they'd have VHSs and I would see war games and scaffold matches and, and you know, all the old Turner broadcast uh, uh, VHS tapes and I couldn't get enough of it. So I discovered the NWA and the WCW and just fell in love with that too. And, and seeing your matches against the horsemen and seeing your matches against the midnight express and even stuff with the road warriors uh, was just so great. And, and I'm actually, I've, I'm an independent wrestler kind of myself. And so I've, I've done some of that. So watching the way you sell has been such a, has been such an interesting, uh, it's been such a, a learning thing for me. Uh, yeah. And, we, and we're going to get into that in a little bit, but I, I wanted to tell you, he's talking about the, uh, the Andersons, you know, I heard Steve, uh, Stone Cold on the mm-hmm. podcast not long ago, and somebody asked him, what's the greatest wrestling match? And he mentioned that. He said, start K-86. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rocky Roll Express versus the Andersons. And he mm-hmm. said, Ricky Morton was selling. He said, I was crying. I was jumping. He said, it's the best match i ever seen in my whole life. And that's a compliment to me. But, you know, you, you, you're telling me, about professional wrestling see in my day before you know i never had a contract i never had guaranteed money Mm -hmm. uh 
alert territories. And uh, and see, the bad thing about that is Hitler pushed himself, or the Booker pushed himself. Do you understand what I mean by that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, and, but my dad, my dad is really smart. You know, I have a son that wrestles Kerry. I don't know if you see him, but he's really, uh, yeah. he's a star of the future, you know? So, uh, yeah. He's still got another year in college, senior in college. But what I was going to tell you, my dad, he, you know, I, I, up and down the road with him. And then when I started wrestling in, in Memphis, I tried, he always told me this. He said, listen to me. He says, you're never going to get over the booker or the owner of the territory. He said, but always remember this. They have to have a semi-main event. Mm. And the semi-main event, in tag team. He says, uh, tag team wrestling is a, is a big thing and it's a good draw. And he, he and he's telling me about the business changing and being young because I, when he told me that, I left to Memphis. I went out to territories, dude. I went to starve to death. I went to Oklahoma, Kansas City, Portland. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really got a, a big push when I was in San Antonio, Texas, with Tully Blanchard, his dad, Joe Blanchard. And uh, they liked my work, you know, and they used to tell me I, I was a Tommy Rich of Texas and see a lot of guys don't understand this right here. You know, Tommy Rich was the first young guy to ever get a push. And matter of fact, he was the youngest weight champion, but Tommy Rich was the first Hulk Hogan really. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'm telling you because it's territories and people don't understand this. I uh, hear guys all the time telling me, oh, man, I wish it was back in the territory days. No, you don't <laughs> unless you're a hip. You know, and, and you're there for one run, yeah, and that's it. You know, then the the and what I mean by that, and and the people listening to us understand it. You see, that's when Robert and I first went into Louisiana. I think Abdullah the Butcher mm. was the top babyface, and the reason why is because Bill Watts just beat him in the blow off. Mm. Okay, you understand that what I'm talking about? Yeah. So now yeah. they got to bring another heel in, and they turn Abdullah babyface to work with him, for he can beat him for Bill Watts to come and wrestle in the new heel. You see what I'm saying? Right, it's, right. It's how they tell story. But uh, but I had a lot of people that you know I I listened a lot, and I learned a lot, and I and I, and I knew. I tell you stories, of, but I knew selling mm-hmm. was something that the people. I mean, you could tell. You know, nowadays it's so hard because everybody thinks they know everything in the world about my business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but tell you truthfully, they don't know. <laughs> okay, I ain't trying yeah. to be a, an asshole, but I'm just trying to say, uh, it's just telling that story. Uh, if I can make the guy when I'm selling on the front row believe that what the heel was doing to me was real. If you notice when he, the heel give me a gut shot, I didn't do a front flip. <laughs> Try to sell it like the way you done it to me. But you see now, if you, if I got that guy on the front row thinking this is real, 
there in them rafters. Mm-hmm. But the main thing is, is when the guy I'm wrestling with thinks I'm hurt, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> my name was Punky. You understand me? Uh-huh. You know, Art Anderson. You know, Art Anderson. You know, Punky, you okay? You hurt? You know, I'm selling. I'm going to shut up. <laughs> Let's work, you know. Do you understand that? That's what yeah. I gave my heart and soul to, putting it into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> see, a lot of guys, and uh, you know, it's just so much jumping and flying. and uh, But it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's a whole new era of professional wrestling. Uh, I could always... When I, I remember in Memphis, they were, you know, Jerry Lawler, he got his leg broke. Mm. He was a top baby face and Bill Dundee and Bill caught uh, hepatitis. Mm. So they, they gave me just a little push there and uh, to fill in. And I'm wrestling killer Carl Krupp, mm. but I, I had to go out and wrestle him and, you know, Krupp didn't want to put me over, mm. uh, you know, but he did, he had to, but, and see, this is how you, you do things. And, 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 and all you young workers out there, listen to me. And I promise you this, and this is how guys kill themselves off. Cause you look at them, they give them these big devastating moves and they never mm. beat nobody. You see mm. what I'm saying? So I'm mm. wrestling killer Carl Krupp and Jerry Jarrett's the promoter. And Krupp would sell for me. He wouldn't do nothing for me. Mm-hmm. So I just called. I just started calling finishes. Everybody's in the world's finish. And <laughs> it covered me. I kick out a one. Okay. Now, now, do you understand what I'm doing to him? Mm-hmm. He don't have a clue what I'm doing. And this went on and went on. And finally, I moved out the turnbuckle and scoreboard him. One, two, three. I walked back to the dress. Jeff Jarrett's dad. He owned the territory, and he's that's when he spit Copenhagen. He sat mm-hmm. back and spitting, and he, I'm walking by. And he goes, uh, "Come here for a minute." I said yes, sir. He says, "Crup didn't want to sell for you, huh?" And I, he's spitting. I says, "Well, no, I was just trying to have." He said, "Oh no, I watched it." He says he gave you every finish in the world. And you kicked out on one ghost. And that's when they were affiliated with AWA up in uh, Minnesota. He goes, I never forget this. He goes, I'm going to have to call Vern. And I said, what's the matter? He says, oh, we're going to have to put the world belt on you. You're the toughest son of a bitch i ever seen in my life. <laughs> that, okay. Now, do you understand the story? Mm-hmm. what I did to him and he didn't have a clue by him not selling for me. I was smart enough to me having a problem or me doing this and, and having a shitty match. We tore the place down mm-hmm. and all I did was move out of a turnbuckle and schoolboy. So, yeah. and that's, uh, and that's really what I got to call on about selling and sell it. But I was telling you earlier, my dad, you know, I had a bunch of different tag team partners. Sonny King. I don't know if you know Sonny. If you don't, if you do your wrestling history, you will. He was, he was bad. To the, he taught me a lot. Then the, mid Eddie Gilbert was with I don't know. <coughs> Sorry, I'm coughing. 
me and Eddie Gilbert went out to Oklahoma as a tag team partner. Then I came back to Memphis and uh, a man by the name of Ken Lucas. Mm. And uh, if you do, you ever heard of Ken Lucas? I have. I've heard of him. I haven't watched yes, much of his stuff. He's the greatest baby face ever uh, because he knew how to sell. He didn't die in the ring. Thing about see a baby face. If you have a good heel in the ring with you, he won't let you die. He'll keep you alive, keep you alive, keep you alive. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Kenny taught me all this stuff. And then mm-hmm. by the time that Robert and I, and 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 don't get me wrong, Robert was a great mm-hmm. tag team partner. Mm-hmm. We were great, mm-hmm. but you see. If you watch our matches, it's me selling, giving him a hot tag. <laughs> and <laughs> he had he had the then, better side of that the, deal, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, and then the angles, you know, they always hurt me. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. But it, it, it's it's not saying that anything bad against anybody. But I knew how. You know, even Dusty Rhodes told me he says, "God," and, and so because it's hard when you're a booker to make somebody understand in your head what you want but dusty always used to tell me and uh he says rookie morton and, and he did his i did a podcast with his uh granddaughter i'm sorry dakota not long ago terry reynolds mm-hmm. and dustin's were on and, and she told me that uh i asked my grandpa one time i said uh Grandpa, uh, I know you're the greatest baby face of all time, but who's close to you? And, and he and he looked at her and said, Ricky Moore's the best baby face ever. <laughs> so I mean that's a that's a hack of a compliment. But you know, let me tell you, man, I'm in few fights. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. you know, it's a hard business and yeah, and it, it especially when you get paid by how many ashes you're getting the seats, and then the promoter gets the first count of that. So yeah, you know how that works. Yeah, uh, let me ask you a question on that real quick. You mentioned yeah, you said a, a good heel would know how to keep you alive. Who did you think like yes. if you could give me some some good heels? Who did you think was the best at that to understand that? Uh, not Bobby Eaton and Dennis Condridge. You know, when you're selling, they keep you a lot. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ole and Arn Anderson. Rick Flair was really good at it. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> now, to tell you, you know, Hulk Hogan, big icon in our business, buddy, I'm telling you. I mean, he mm-hmm. changed WWF and took it to a whole new platform. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the true world champion, Rick Flair was the best ever. Mm. Uh, and that's what I was going to want. That could keep you alive. And now, been at the right place at the right time. I always tell guys this in our business. It's been at the right place at the right time. Uh, we were real hot in, in the Carolinas, and uh, they were grooming Magnum TA mm-hmm. to be the world champion. And Magnum had a car wreck and paralyzed himself. Mm-hmm. Well, now they don't have that baby face. And uh, I had a single match somewhere. Rick Flair has seen it. Did an mm-hmm. angle with Rick. And it got, I mean, it got over like hell. You know, he tore my face up and broke my nose. And, 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, then he come out with the, the tinny bumper bra and I slapped him. And, uh, but you got to understand, and this is why I love Rick. You know, Hulk Hogan goes 12 minutes. Rick Flair, if you don't go an hour time limit, you go 58 minutes with him. 59 right. minutes every yeah. night. You hear yeah. me? Every night. But a lot of these towns, <clears throat> especially Charlotte, North Carolina, where Ric Flair is from, and, and Philadelphia, I don't know if you've ever been there. I have. That's the biggest hill, t- hill place of anywhere in the world. They, yeah. Then people do not like baby faces. You understand mm-hmm. me? Mm-hmm. Those people don't even like fucking ice cream. Uh, I'm just trying to tell you, they, they're on a whole different thing. And I and this is cool now because now this is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Boy, Ric Flair, you know, you, you know, he's over both the people. And I come out there booing, up, throwing shit at me. I'm, I'm everything but Ricky Morton. Mm-hmm. But listen to me. Ten minutes in that match. Flares that turned half of the crowd. You mm-hmm. hear me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're booing him now, throwing shit at him. Fifteen minutes into that match, they done pushed the guardrails all the way to the low sides. Mm-hmm. You see me? Mm-hmm. Now the fans are starting to come in the ring on Rick Flair. Mm-hmm. So Arn seen this, and he comes down to the ring. And when the people come down and watch an R, and it, Rick told me, he says, uh, I'd like to give the people their money. He said, but they're going to kill me. He said, uh, back then over the top rope was a DQ. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm going to throw you over the top rope, but let on the apron and go up to the top of the turnbuckle. Uh, so he threw me over and said, you could. I went up the turnbuckle. That way everybody was looking at me. Mm-hmm. And he slid out of the ring and went through the back, mm-hmm. out through the lobby. And the people were chasing him, throwing chairs and shit at him. Uh, <laughs> now, do you understand what kind of worker this man was? Yeah, uh, I mean it's uh, I mean it's the magic and the unbelievable things, and it was an opportunity. Buddy, did I learn? Did I, I mean did I <laughs> wrestling school, buddy? I, yeah. I'm not kidding you. It's uh some of the greatest teachers and the greatest times. And you no, know, this didn't happen on the weekend. You know, mm-hmm. this was every night. Rick and I went 17 straight nights. Now that's twice on Saturday and twice on Sunday, our time limits. Man. Okay. Then when by the time the bicycle tape come that through, so we went another eight or nine days, an hour and a half time limit. Wow. And is I doubt it, but it just, just that learning ability. People yeah. don't have a clue, you know, of what our business is really about and what it's made from it and today's stuff. If they, they just stop, you know, I, I watch some of the wrestling sometimes, but I just can't understand how I heal would give you, I mean, he does everything. He shoots you out of a cannon. You understand? <laughs> you, you see what it's. Yeah. Things just don't make sense to me anymore. Yeah. Uh, it's funny you bring that up because you funny you bring that up because, you know, even, even when I, when I was training, uh, 
you know, I trained with a guy named Paul DeMarco for a while um, back in, in 90, I think it was 98, Paul DeMarco and Oliver John. And then I re and then I finished up training again. I, I trained again with a guy who used to work in the WWE, Johnny Jeter as one of the spirit squad guys in the early two thousands. And both of them, even though oh, one guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I he, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So he, he and even Paul DeMarco, who, you know, he was in the territory days. He was a tag team partner of Ray Stevens here, you know, big, big time wrestling, Roy Shire and all that. And uh, yes. they all said the same thing. They all said that exactly what you were saying. Yet for some reason, the stuff you see on TV, it's just it's acrobatics more than it is wrestling. It's just so interesting. Yeah. And it, and and, you, and I try to tell these guys, you know, I still. But I'm still on 67 years old, and I'm—I mean, I work four or five nights a week, and plus I work for NWA. I work—I really don't. I wrestle there on TV sometimes, but I'm 67. I really don't want to be on TV, but on the independent circuit shows, man, I can tear a house down, you know, because I know how to get the people going, how to get them behind me, and and how to do this. But see, it, it nobody takes the time. And the independent guys, I mean, they're going to lose, their, you know, some of this stupid stuff they does. And let me tell you, doing that triple flip off the top of the belt into the ring, I mean, it's a present, but I promise you it's not going to get you a job. It's mm. never going to get you a job. Uh, our business is different. you got to be able to talk. you got to have that swag. Uh, that's the reason I have my son. I want he works for NWA. He's the head of the market in there, but he's got to get his education first. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, I didn't have a chance to get an, an education in our business. It's so cool. I mean, it, you can make a lot more money and go so far because uh, yeah, I'm going to tell you this right here. You can make millions in our business mm -hmm. <clears throat> and work behind the scenes. Yeah. And, uh, so I'm be ready for all of it. I mean, it's uh, what, what is your son going to school for? Marketing. Oh, nice. He's well, he's a cheerleader. He, he had a in his senior year in high school, mm -hmm. they got him to try out for cheerleading. Oh, nice. he didn't get a four year scholarship. Oh, in cheerleading. and oh. uh, you know what? They were in division two in CAA, they won the cheerleading championship i mean he's got a ncaa ring. i have a wwe hall of fame ring i don't have it on now but he has a national championship ring yeah there's a lot of difference in that yeah <laughs> then diamonds and rubies <laughs> usually uh, unbelievable so uh yeah. you know it, it's see that's been, and uh he, he got his education and you know he, he gets his bachelor's this year and and we're talking maybe because they already offered him mm -hmm. another year if he wanted to get his master's. So, uh, nice. yeah, not and he's in marketing, and that's what he does for, uh, you know, he's the head. He just started maybe three weeks ago, the head marketer for the NWA. Oh, that's awesome. That's cool. That's cool. You know, yes. and it's also got to be cool because you were such an integral part of the NWA, especially, you know, as it started kind of fading away and WWF started taking over. You, you and, and Robert Gibson, you know, and, and you're, you, you were kind of with some of the last guys in that. And I wanted to ask you, well, there's a couple of things I want to ask you. I'll start with this first. You've mentioned, yeah. you know, you, you're, you're primarily, 
I, I would say you're primarily remembered as the rock as Ricky Morton from the Rock and Roll Express, but you had some killer, killer singles matches with Ric Flair and everybody else. You had a great run as Richard Morton doing heel stuff. You know, did you did you prefer singles matches versus tag team, or did you care? Well, what you know you- what I, I knew that I knew that I was gonna. And understand me this. I knew that I was going to go further as being a tag team because it was still territories. Mm, Single uh, wrestler, you what? But I'm telling mm, you, uh, not unless you own the territory or you're the booker, mm, and you weren't going to go much further. Uh, and then you asked me, I, I liked all of them, you know, mm, and it's when I, the, when I was a younger kid. Uh, I was telling you, I got a break in San Antonio, Texas. You know, I did our Broadways with Nick Buckwinkle. Yeah. Uh, and 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 what a worker he was too. Sure, did you see? But by, by the time I got with Robert, I have been through all this. You know, I've made my, I've been on the road. I've been, you know, it's working these territories, and you worked every night. And see, that's what's wrong with the, our business today. The guys don't get to work every night. Mm. See, I don't. It's on YouTube every Sunday. Uh, mm. Fight TV. We have a show on Fight TV too, but mm. what uh, the guys don't get the opportunity to learn mm-hmm. in our in our business because you know they work one night a week and and what they're doing they're going off of what they seen on Monday Night Raw when some guy did a triple flip on the floor uh, right. and it didn't mean shit and they <laughs> want to do that. Uh, right. You see, it's it's so hard. And like I'm telling you, I had a wrestling school. See, listen to me. I can't teach you to work. Mm-hmm. You have to teach yourself. And mm-hmm. teaching yourself is working with people that are better than you. Mm-hmm. And see, I had that opportunity to work with the greatest workers ever in this business. So mm-hmm. I learned. I took notes. But I got scrapbooks of stuff when I... I uh, to learn, but the guys don't get to do that now. Mm-hmm. lock, but mm-hmm. I have other people that can teach you a headlock. Mm-hmm. I try to talk to you to get into your head to make you understand what our business is. And when I do these seminars, I tell them, I said, "Listen to me. Right now, when I'm talking, I'm gonna be better off talking to that wall because none of you are gonna understand a damn thing I'm gonna say to you. But you will." You will. You you be in a match and something will happen, and you'll go, "Damn, that's what he was talking about." You mm. you, you see what I'm saying? It's but it takes years. Uh, I think they do a good job at NXT when yeah. they send their younger guys there to to learn. Uh, but you got to get on a different path, though. Mm. To me, it's uh, I see repeat shit all the time. And nobody's good that swag you get on there talking at tv and, right. and you gotta have that yeah do you know do, is there anybody that you look at that's that's one of these guys on wwe aew and say that guy's got it well to tell you the truth not really only one mm-hmm. i can say well i got a bunch of them you know <clears throat> matt Tadorn, he could he's a good worker uh-huh. uh you know he's you know, Dolph Ziggler when he was out, oh, not, and then, uh, and I'm I, I'm going to tell you that the, the greatest guy that's in the wrestling business to me is CM Punk. 
Mm. And the reason why, because he knows how to draw a crowd and he knows how to, he sells out everywhere he goes. See if yeah. you don't see him on a, uh, back on WWE. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, because I just think, oh, yeah, you wait and see if you don't see him back on there. And uh, did you did you hear about I, what happened the, the night that they found out that uh, CM Punk had gotten fired? As soon as as soon as they found out that CM Punk was fired, 20 percent of the 20 percent of the, the TV audience turned off the TV. <laughs> did they really? They did. I, I, I didn't know. See, it, you know, a lot of people will bite off their nose to spike their face. So, you know, yeah. see, you, now you now you're in a world of drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to see, that's what these companies have got to understand how to take care of. Mm-hmm. It's not about <coughs> everybody. It's about me. Mm-hmm. You have to have somebody back there to tell them it's not about you. Sure. Okay. Sure. This is not about me tonight. This is mm-hmm. about something else. And and that's where the drama comes in, buddy. And uh, it's some heavy duty shit back there. Uh, they don't have nobody to understand that to them. You mm. see, to me, every wrestler, I'm their biggest fan. Mm. And, I, and I'm telling you that. I'm their biggest fan because I want to see them all make it. Yeah. You know, you got to have smart wrestlers. I'll tell you, one of the smartest wrestlers I, I watch is uh, Sheamus. Mm. Uh, WWE. I mean, he's a, <laughs> excuse me. Dude, I don't know why I'm coughing for. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Sheamus is a smart wrestler. You you mm-hmm. watch him when he has his matches, like especially on TV. I mean, mm-hmm. he'll do a big move to you, and it, so he won't cover you. He'll step over you mm-hmm. to that camera. Mm-hmm. That's smart. You know, he's not killing his shit off. You hear mm-hmm. me? These other guys yeah. kill their shit off. You know, right. and uh, but he's but he's a smart wrestler. I, I like Sheamus. He's a he's a tough guy too. Uh, yeah, but not even that. I mean, he uh, he deserves everything he got. He's been there for twenty years, I guess. But yeah. monster in the gym, yeah. uh, he's a um, uh, the monster to, pr- to protect our business, uh, and he's a great job. Yeah, absolutely. Can I? Can, so I know that there was you had a run for the WWF, WWE that kind of came towards the you know towards the end of the prime of your career. Was there ever a time? Before the mid '90s, where you had an opportunity to go up there? <clears throat> no, not really. Uh, mm. You know, Vince is kind of got and make his own boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never had. You know, <clears throat> I got to tell you how that happened. Us going to WWF, you know, we didn't go there to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was it was the last territory, Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Mm. And uh, we had a hell of an angle going with the uh, heavenly bodies, Tom mm. Richard and uh, Jimmy Del mm. Ray. Now they were going to WWE, WWF. We went mm-hmm. and did it because we're going to have a match with the heavenly bodies in Pikeville, Kentucky. It's called the fire on the mountain. Mm. And, uh, you ever get a chance watch that uh so uh so we went up there to wrestle them and they beat us on pay-per-view mm. you, you understand me 
So mm -hmm. now, see, this is back when wasn't all the shit on for the social media. You didn't have all this stuff. And, 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 and down in the small territories, they still believed a little bit in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And it, so we will, uh, we go up there. Then when we come back to have the loser leave town, they think that we're going to lose mm -hmm. to go to WWF. But really, it was them. And uh, if you get a chance to watch the finish on that match, Jimmy Cornette put, put a lot of time in that match with us. And uh, the people thought the whole time, but dude, this finish, uh, I think, for a territory, small territory ever. Mm -hmm. uh, and we beat them. And Jimmy Cornette always says, when it hit three, they were throwing babies in the air. They were doing, <laughs> you know, hot Jimmy and such. Right. Yeah. But it's really, you know, it's it's a whole different ball game. I, I never planned on going to WWF. You mm -hmm. know, I'm a, I, I wanted the business for myself. You hear me? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and and out of all the NWAs and all this, I make more money now than I ever made in my life, and I'm 67 years old. Mm. You know, people think, God, I you wrestled NWA, you wrestled that, you made millions, dude. Some of these guys, right now, okay, mm. they make more in one night than I made in 20 years. Wow, you hear me? Mm. Yes. My biggest year in a business, and that's when I had my run with Flair, was $125,000. And they didn't pay for my airplane ticket, pay for uh, my hotels. You had to do that shit yourself. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Uh, and I'm telling you, that's the reason I, you know, I'm fussing and fighting with these guys all the time. Not the boys I'm talking about, you know, Jimmy Crockett and Dusty. You mm -hmm. know, here they go. They, you know. Jimmy Crockett goes by as a private jet for him and Dusty to fly around in. You have kiss my ass, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, we're out here hustling, selling, working our ass off. No, no, but that shit didn't get over with me. I hate. Uh, right. Not even with him, all of them, you know? We had many a fuck you fights. So, hmm. and. Uh, Man, and, uh, did you. Go ahead. Let me ask you, you know, another thing I wanted to ask you was about. When I first saw the Rockers, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty come out, I remember thinking, I was like, this is the Rock and Roll Express. They're, they're just trying to rip them okay. off. Yeah. How did you feel well, about that you know, when you what? saw that? I took it as a compliment. Uh, okay. A lot of other people didn't, but I knew what they were doing. They went to Vern was opposition to Crockett. Uh, they wanted to have them a young baby face tag team but what they did they took the name of uh, the midnight express and the rock and roll express yeah i know so before midnight. they got to the wwf no, no. yeah no no i had no 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 I, uh marty and sean both were friends of mine and uh i know sean since he's a kid you know he lived in san antonio when he was just a kid when i wrestled here from joe blanchard you know mm -hmm. he'd come to the matches and his daddy introduced him. he was still in high school and he, I'm going to be a professional wrestler. You know, mm -hmm. cool. And, and yeah. by God, he become more than a professional wrestler. He come an icon. Yeah. And, uh, right. and, and that's cool. Yeah, I yeah. like that. So, so in your 50, 51 years now of wrestling, what, do you, what would you say was the best time of your career? Like if you could come into a couple of years, what would you say that was? And it's really... You know, a lot more and worked on top 
in NWA, but the best time I had in the wrestling business is uh, when I worked in Memphis. Mm. You know, when I was a kid, I worked in Memphis for two or three years for Jerry Jarrett and Jerry Lawler. Now, understand me, when, when you're in a territory and you don't have contracts, mm-hmm. see, the boys depend on each other. You hear me? Mm-hmm. So uh, you got to understand what I'm saying. But the boys bond. Now, one thing that was really strict about was uh, kayfabe. Yeah. And territories. Oh, no, bro. You did kayfabe. You did, and these guys, I would not know how in the hell they would even have a match. You never see, you know, when you at the building, they, the heels were on one side and the baby faces on the other side. You didn't even get your finish until you got in the ring. And they didn't have nobody to write down you a bit, do this right here, do this, or do that right there. You know, the referee say you over or you under. And you go and you went out and you made magic together. Do you understand some of the magic that we not only did we make with the Midnight Express or the Russians? Uh, Andersons, uh, four horsemen, but uh, the other guy, you know, like Jake Snake Roberts, Hercules Hernandez, wrestling too. Uh, you know, we had we did a lot more in small territories, and and it's go out and make magic. These guys could, were some of the greatest workers, and and unbelievable. Have rock, holy shit! I see. I watched Jimmy Cornette get his ass whooped so many times. He learned how to fight. And uh, <laughs> with that ten, I mean, he, he he didn't. He just started to fight. You know, he fucked this. He was getting the hell beat out of him all the time. And and uh, it the greatest. I mean, it was just unbelievable. So territories, and, and it was so great. But see, but nowadays. Holy shit, you've been in the locker room and the guys, like I was in there the other day, and, they, and everybody's going over their matches and right here together. I mean, I had to go piss. I had to duck two clotheslines and reverse a hip toss <laughs> to get to the fucking bathroom, you know? <laughs> I know. So, uh, yeah, you know, that's just, one thing. I'll, that's one That's one thing I don't understand. You know, you'll sit there and you'll go, and maybe I understand it. Everybody's kind of in on it now, but you'll go to indie shows and you'll see wrestlers. That'll be, you know, they'll go and beat the crap out of each other in a ring, and then they'll be taking pictures with each other, you know, right out in front of well, the crowd. Then that same day, and, and if you're there before the matches start, yeah, I mean, they're they're in the ring going over their damn match, and right. uh, in front of the fans, you know, I'm going, Jesus Christ, right. get out of right. the ring, and oh, right. they get hot at me, the young boys do, you know, I shit, you know, it's just, can't you? That's the reason you don't know how to tell a story. You don't know how to listen to the people. Uh, I was wrestling a kid the other night in Knoxville, Tennessee. And the people are all out, and, and he keeps trying to lock up with me, man. I'm going, get back, bro, get back. I said, listen to the people. What about listening to the people? I said, as long as they're chatting rock and roll, don't touch me. Mm-hmm. I said, because if, when we lock up, they're going to quit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it's... The part of the business a lot of guys don't understand. Mm, yeah, interesting. Now, what do you do for a living? I'm actually an attorney. Yeah. Are you really? I am. What, what kind of criminal lawyer? Like no, no, I do. I do uh, personal injury and wrongful death uh, on the oh, plaintiff shit. side. 
people get in car accidents and things. I represent them. And, and then, like I said, I, 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 have, I do. What's that? You have a lot of good work out there in California, don't you? Yeah, we do. There's a lot of bad drivers out here. So yeah, <laughs> we do. We got, we got a lot of, we got a lot of them out there. I have a lot of cases. And, no, that's cool, buddy. I mean, that's, that's, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Really I really, awesome. I, I really enjoy it. You know, it was interesting. I, I, um, so I, I was, I wrestled for about a year, um, when I was 18, right out of high school, I'm Mormon. So I went on a mission when I was 19, but in between I wrestled uh-huh. a little bit and, you know, I'm six foot seven. You can't see here. I'm six foot seven, 285. And so are you really, I am. And so, uh, and I played basketball in high school and all that. And then I, I trained to wrestle, but I never finished the training. The, the school closed down, but people were booking me because of my size. I mean, on the indie scene, there's nobody my size, you know? And so yeah. I, I didn't have to bump much. I just thrown people around, you know? And, uh, and so um, anyway, I, a, a local guy here, he recommended me to, to go see uh, off of the wild Samoan, you know, and, and go and trained out, out there in Pennsylvania where he was. And that's what I was going to do. But then I went on a mission. And when I came back, I just, I'd heard enough stories of people who kind of weren't around you know, weren't around their kids much. And I wanted to have a family. So I decided, you know, uh, I have, I, I have four you. kids. So I decided to do something different and, and be an attorney, but I still do the, you know, now my kids are older. I do the indie stuff just so they can watch. And that was something I wanted to ask you. No, you, have you. you have a son. You have a son. What was that? I have eight children. You have eight have children. Eight ki- yeah. And I've got wow. 13 grandkids. Oh, uh, wow. Wow. But I'm not how, <laughs> you might as no, well be shoot. No, no, yeah. but listen to me though. Uh, I, but I will tell you this part about me, and I don't talk about it much because I say fuck and I say shit and I say this, and I apologize to you if I offended you in any way. <laughs> not not but, at all. Uh, I'm an attorney. I've heard worse. No, no, I believe. I, I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, uh, mm-hmm. and I do. I just yeah. uh, uh, carry him with me every day. Uh, in, in my business, dude, I, I've been in situations and I've been in places that you could never imagine. I have been around the world mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. four or five times. And I'm serious. I've been in countries I don't even know the name of. Mm-hmm. And been in some situations that were so crazy. You know what? I, this is back in the early 90s and we were flying poor Diego Garcia, Iraq, and but we flew in to Vietnam mm-hmm. to get some. The plane had to refuel, mm-hmm. so everybody's getting off. And uh, you know how you get that feeling? I get, mm-hmm. I get, I get a feeling in me, and, I, and everybody's getting off the plane. You know, going inside the terminal, and I and I told Robert. I said, this man, you stay on this airplane, man. And then I, I got somebody's watching us right now, and I'm not bullshitting you. Mm-hmm. And uh, it didn't happen that day, but the very next day, they came in on the airport and they kidnapped a bunch of people, held them for ransom, killed a bunch of people oh, right there wow. in the same airport that we were in. So uh, I knew that they were, something was happening. You know, I mean, you get that feeling right. before, but oh, yeah. it's God oh, yeah. telling me, no, you need to, y'all need to get out of here, you know, yeah. pack, yeah. pack your shit, yeah. get out of here. Uh, but, you know, we that was cool, too. Yeah. And I don't know, you know how we got off on this 
conversation, but just go with <laughs> it. It's okay. Right? It's it. No, this is yeah. the stuff that's interesting because I wanted to ask you, you know, you got eight kids, you know, how, how hard, especially back then when there wasn't any of these FaceTimes and social media and video chatting, no, but, you know, it was, it's, I got to imagine when you're on the road 300 days a year, it's hard to keep up with the kids, you know? I missed a lot, buddy. Okay. Mm-hmm. When you work territories and you're on top, you don't have no days off every day, twice mm-hmm. on Saturday and twice on Sunday. My uh, my kids grew up, but but learning and and I I wished you know I, my oldest son's forty three years old, and Carrie's he's be twenty three next year, but I missed a lot of time with them, but Carrie. I spent a lot of time with him. I, you know, I took yeah. him on the road with me when he's. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, he's like me. He grew up in the business. You know, would, by the time he was eleven years old, you know who Chase Owens is. Oh yeah, the Bullet mm-hmm. Club. Yeah, yeah. Well, Chase come from my school. Chase come from right here. Well, hell, him and Chase Owens have a match and tear the house down. You know, and he's eleven years old. I wouldn't let the people watch it though. Mm-hmm. And then, but he grew up. Now he grew up. Everybody that wrestles knows who he is because he's with me all the time. So, right. And it's a good thing. I told uh, Carrie, you know, here at the NWA, you have to spend time with the boys to bond. And you, yeah. yeah, you miss out a lot, buddy. I mean, I could, uh, you know, you miss your family. So you made a good decision. Yeah. Uh, I think so. Because I, I promise you, and I tell this to even my kids now. I said, don't blink. Please don't blink. Because time just goes by like that. You know, it's like I was in San Antonio, and it seemed like to me it was two days ago. And I was looking back, it was four months ago. Wow. And, yeah. And it, you see, but I'm so caught up yeah. in, in doing what I'm doing and loving what I'm doing. The time just goes by just like that. But yeah, you know, I feel the same. I feel the same way. My son, my oldest son, is is uh, he's a senior in high school now, and you know he's he's getting to the point. Uh, he's a big he he's a big uh, guitar player. You know, the lead singer. He's got his own little high school rock band that he's doing, and he's having really? a great time. Oh yeah, he's great. He's so talented. I mean, he's been. Let me in- tell you a good. Can I tell you a great story? Yeah. All my all my you know my wife's country music. Uh, and my oldest son, he just sold uh, one of his songs to one of the top country music artists there is. He he writes and plays, and all of them do. You hear me, mm-hmm. Carrie? He's a Broadway singer. You know, he he's he was in theater in high school, and, mm-hmm. and but and this is the reason I wanted to tell you this story because I have seven kids with my wife. Mm-hmm. About three years ago, I'm in. Uh, Pensacola, Florida, and a lady comes up and gives me a note, and I'm reading the note, and the guy, and it's from a, a kid named Nick. He says, I don't want to bother you. I don't want nothing, but my mother died when I was six years old, and my grandmother raised me, and she just passed away, and she told me before she died that you, so I went, well, shit, I called him on the phone and told him to come over. Mm-hmm. Okay, when he came over, I told Robert 
I knew nothing about it, but Robert knows my other children. So mm -hmm. we're standing there, and Robert goes, Stammer, he, you're, uh, Brad's here. I said, my boy Brad? He said, yeah, he's here. I said, he's not here. He said, yes, he is. He's standing right there. And I mm -hmm. looked up, man, he was a twin wow. to my other son. Uh, so I called him over, and I talked to him. And to make this story shorter, test, and uh, he was my son. Mm -hmm. uh, not, and now he has a mother, a daddy. Yeah. He has uh, seven brothers and sisters and a lot of yeah. things. But what do you think he does? Well, I have no he idea. has a rock band. He has a rock band. <laughs> 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 awesome. So now, I mean, it's just like unbelievable. You know, me and my family, you know, I venture outside that black box. And uh, we're fixing to do the show called The Missouri. Uh, mm. Because my wife's a hell of a singer, dude. And mm. You can look her up, Andrew Morton and my oldest son Jonathan. Oh, they're great to write music and and uh, do things. But I, but I'm not a great singer. I can play, but I'm a I do stand up. So uh, mm, nice. we uh, you know I started off with that, and then they did the shows, and I come back out, and maybe play the last song with them, and and nice. uh, after they hear me sing, they all leave anyway. So, but uh, <laughs> they go. <laughs> So, I mean, did you play college ball? No, no. I, like I said, I went on that mission, and when I came okay. back, you know, there was there wasn't a lot of money uh, to go around, and so I had to work to get myself through college. So I didn't have time to play. I was uh, I started a yeah, community too. college, and you know, that's just the, yeah. how it went. But uh, but I, you know, I still play basketball. I still go to the gym six days a week, and you know, do stuff like that. And so I keep myself pretty healthy. Um, you you know, I'm I sixty seven, and I. I'm at the gym every morning, buddy. I know. I saw a picture. I saw a picture of you today. You're 67 years old and you're still rocking at the gym, man. <laughs> yes, it's sir. Like, every day. Yeah. Buddy. Yeah. All that's right. awesome. Go ahead. You we, should ask me what I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, I was going to ask you, you know, we talked about the best time of your career. Was there a time that you would say was just a bad time in your career? Yeah, buddy. Uh, and this is bad to say, but I, you know, I'm on a podcast and you're asking me this question. Yeah. I got strung out for a while, you know. Uh, you know, it was it wasn't because it was just because it was there, cocaine mm -hmm. and drinking and mm -hmm. and. Uh, but my wife got me out of that rut. You hear me? Mm -hmm. I mean, I just didn't. You know what? And it's hard to say. I, you know, I have two brothers. Well, my, well, my younger brother died, but they. You know, they were addicts with the, but I didn't uh, do that. I snorted and drank and hell, I used to smoke three packs of cigarettes a day, but wow. Then they just one day, just something hit me and I just threw it, pop, threw the cigarette away like that right there. I quit smoking, doing drugs, and I still have a beer every now and then, but I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't. Quit all that. You know, hell, I drink a fifth of whiskey. I don't know if you know anything about cocaine or not. It keeps you, you know, you snort that. You drink a fifth of whiskey, wouldn't even know it. Smoke two mm. packs of cigarettes, wouldn't even just, uh, yeah. but, you know, I, yeah, I was in a rut of my life. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what happened to me. Mm. But, you know. You think you just got caught but, up in the lifestyle or? 
Oh yeah. Well, you got to understand, buddy. I'll be. <laughs> I'll tell you things that you wouldn't even believe, but I don't want to say some of the stuff here. Alone. Hey, we got oh, we no. got time. Oh, I want I want, the, I, want well, I want some exclusives. And, and some of the places I've been, <laughs> and, and 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 well, it's like the day I can't believe. Uh, you know, it was my birthday, and you get taken laurels. You know, large freaks. You know, uh, Ranson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're big. You know, yeah. He, he, See, I'm, all them guys are friends of mine. And uh, oh man, Lars Lars is a Lars is a huge wrestling fan in the Bay Area. He's out there all the time at oh, all yeah. the shows. Yeah. Oh, well, I was in as I was in Frisco before all this COVID stuff. That's where I met Lars at. He yeah. came to the show, and I'm looking at. Him. I said, "Man, I know you. You played music too." And, and do you remember? I, do you remember who you worked for in the Bay Area? Which uh, which promotion? No, I don't. Oh. You know, like yeah. I don't. We wrestled at a at a like a Catholic school, I think, over there, okay. and that's all I can remember. And they okay. had a good crowd. I tell you who else was there it was Chris Christopherson's son. Yeah, Jody. You no, know, he was. I a, know Jody really well. Yeah, Jody. Yeah, I promote. Yeah. I promoted for a yeah, while. Okay. I did. Sh- I I promoted wrestling shows, and I used him for a long time. He's a great worker. Great worker. But you see, he. Uh, See, yeah, I'm into music, and you got to understand it. And when I when I met Jody, mm-hmm. I said, uh, "Did your dad write Jody and the Kid about you?" And he said, "Yes." You know, he's dead. <laughs> you ever heard the song Jody and the Kid? I don't think it's I have. No. About him, yeah. Chris Gustafson wrote that. I think somebody else uh, recorded it, mm-hmm. but, but it's uh, but no, Chris sung it too. But that's when mm-hmm. I first met him. I because I'm I'm into music, but I know. Uh, yeah, a lot of people, man. I'll be tell you, I was a, was a great one one time. Rick, me and Rick Flair, we were out in New York City, crazy buddy, and we go, to, <laughs> we're going down to uh, uh, a Hard Rock Cafe because Chuck Berry's playing. All right, mm. so man, we walk in there, and Rick Flair pays a thousand dollars for two tickets from him to go in there, mm. and then we get get right there. Hell, Chuck Berry recognizes us. You, mm. you hear me? And he puts yeah. us up on stage, and I'm on stage setting, and I and I'm sitting in the chair, and I turn around, and <coughs> damn the guy that played the new gu- one of the Bruce Brothers and Ghostbusters, uh, Dan Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd sitting right beside me. <laughs> oh man, you know what's up, man? You know, and and then then the next thing you know, it's two days later. <laughs> you, you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yes, and yeah. I've been in those situations many a times. Uh, Man, it's you know party. You know, gosh, I don't know, and I'm not trying to say it's nothing bad about your state because I'm not into politics, and I don't. Buddy, I was back in the days with Motley Crue mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in Man. L.A. Oh yeah, holy shit! Oh, I bet. Oh, blah blah brother. I mean, girls, girls, girls. You ain't kidding, but. Yeah. And I, man, what a time we had! But you know what? I just went back and did a show for A and E. We filmed it out in uh, L.A. World country. Mm. I'm serious. I'm sorry mm. to say that about anybody in their state. That's why I live up in the mountains, right? Really. Yeah, and mm. I was horrible. Yeah, I mean, Sunset Strip, brother, it used to be the happiest place in the world, and I, yeah, I couldn't Los believe Angeles. when I laid my eyes on 
Huh? Yeah, Los, Los Angeles has gone way downhill. I just took my my two boys down to see Metallica uh, at the at SoFi Stadium, and man, you you can't get about a half mile out from the stadium before you're just homeless, <clears throat> homeless people everywhere. People, you know, just I <laughs> yeah, mean, tents everywhere. Seen, yeah, I see syringes everywhere. I see, yeah, you know, people just. I'm sorry, I don't know. I'm, I, like I told you, I'm not into politics. I'm not, but somebody's got to do something to help everybody. Yeah, you know, not yeah. just ever, ever since crazy. ever since ever since COVID, LA has been a rough, a rough area. It's been bad. I mean, I think they said something like 80 percent of the restaurants closed down and people oh, out yeah. of a job. I mean, it it's it was. It's you know, bad. I wrestled in the forum one oh, time, and, 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 the, forum. and uh, I remember the Skid Row rock band. Mm-hmm. The, the guy named Snake in there, who's a lead guitar player for him, and he was a buddy of mine. So he come to watch me wrestle because in L.A. the show starts early, mm-hmm. and 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 then he kept coming to me, and telling me, uh, "Come on, let's go, let's go." I said, "Where are we going, bro? Opening it up for Guns and Roses in the Coliseum." <laughs> he said, "You're with me, let's go." And you know, I got my wrestling gear on with my pink. And some wrestling bag, and I'm getting, <laughs> out, getting in the back of a limousine, and I'm changing in there. And Lord, brother, what a night that was! I bet uh, it just oh man, <laughs> you you lived you know, you're the rock and you were the rock and roll express, and you lived the rock and roll lifestyle, and you were considered kind of like the 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 teen idol of the we was the 80s. Well, let me tell you, we were we were rock stars, but every rock band you knew, knew who we were, uh. You know, uh, they'd be in the town, and that they would get a hold of us somehow, and invite us to the concerts, and and if nice. we were there, you know, because we were we were a lot of times we were in town. You know, I met, I was uh, coming back. <clears throat> I had to do a double show, and I'm so tired, and, and I'm driving back, and I noticed when I pulled into the guest this two or three million dollar book. And the guys are getting off of it, and I'm pumping gas. That listen to what I'm saying to you, and you're going to really freak out. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. I'm I'm pumping the gas, and they're getting off, and they're all looking at me. And the last one stopped, and he goes, "Hi, Mike. You wouldn't happen to be Ricky Morton, would you?" And I went. No, but I stayed in the Holiday Inn Express last night. Just, you know, I'm just, he goes, oh, shit. He said, come on, go with me. And on the bus, and I walked to the back, and listen, they opened this big room up. It's a big screen TV, and it's me and Ric Flair fighting. And I looked down, and it's Steve Perry of uh, Journey. Oh, wow. On the fucking bed. Wow. And he told me, he goes, he's looking, he goes, how'd you get him here and him there? Because they knew he was a big fan of mine. He said he was out here pumping gas and he's going, oh, you, <laughs> you know, and I said, yeah, but I was. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then he told me, he says, uh, he became a wrestling fan because of one night we were in Baltimore, Maryland. Hmm. And uh, he was playing the next night. So they were in town early, and they said, we went in Conito and went to the wrestling because it's right across the street. And he said, man, you wrestled Ric Flair for an hour. 
and it said I, uh, it, it was you know what a compliment it is to me. But uh, yeah, yes, see how amazing that yeah. is. And I, yeah. uh, and the only reason he was on the bus is because his plane broke down. It was what gonna be ready for a week, so he he was on the bus with the band going somewhere. So man, it's a another time something just to meet badass, you know. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Let me let me ask you. I got a couple. I, I appreciate you giving me the time. Let me ask you a couple of questions. I ask everybody. What would you consider to be your yeah. biggest your biggest success in life? My biggest success after uh, is is right now is caring about my family. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> would you raise eight children on the road? Well. Mm-hmm seven and six on the road it's it's a disaster buddy uh it's so hard but but to get through all that and to where i'm at now you know it's like my son asked me today this he said daddy what do you want for your birthday says listen to me buddy i mean i have god gave me y'all i said what else what better gift could you give daddy that's better than having you guys? There's nothing. Yeah. You know, I might not be rich with money, but I'm rich. I'm the richest man in the world. Yeah. You know, I, I said, I have you. I have your brothers. I have your sisters. I have my grandchildren. I have all this. So to me, that's that means more than you get older you'll understand what i'm saying to you it's like me giving you a seminar you're not going to understand it but one day you're going to go damn that's what ricky morton was talking about (laughs) you know and and it is buddy yeah well let me ask you the next question then what would you say is your biggest failure in life and what did you learn from it oh my biggest failure in life was drugs Mm. do you is that cool i mean uh well, and another thing, too, in our business, uh, one of my biggest failures was I didn't play ball. I could have went a lot further in the business. Mm-hmm. But you see, I was one of the boys. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't turn corporate. I didn't mm-hmm. turn my back. I can tell you this right here. That, you know, when I wrestled, Dusty tried to split the Rock and Roll Express up. Mm-hmm. And I was telling me and Robert all the time. You know, I'll, I'll beat Ric Flair for the world title. And they took me in a room and told me, so now you beat that low because he's going to have to put people over your beat. And matter of fact, you're going to have to wrestle him and you got to beat him. And I gave the belt back so I don't want it. Mm-hmm. After all the years, see right here, after all the years, mm-hmm. that's the night it happened in Richard Virginia. Mm-hmm. I gave the belt back. And after all the years, they finally made me one with Ricky Morton on it. Nice. Uh, they gave me a little credit. They gave me a little credit for nothing. <laughs> but <laughs> I made a promise to Robert. Mm-hmm. And when I go to bed at night, I don't have to think uh, that I did somebody, something bad to anybody. Yeah. Um, I'm one of the boys. I'm one of the true of the last boys, and I don't matter where I'm at. Before I leave the show, I make sure I tell every one of the boys I love them and the girls of our business 
I respected the girls more than anybody ever knew. The women are our professional wrestlers. I uh, I disrespected them and, and, and my loyalty to somebody, that's one of my greatest things. It's not about being nine-time world tag team champions. I can say this, and this is an example of what I'm talking about. <clears throat> Ric Flair, he came up to me one day and he's Ricky, uh, I met your sons today. I said, yeah, he goes, I have never met well-mannered children, so respectful in my life. And then he asked me, he said, is Andrea here? And that's my wife. I said, yeah, she's down there. I said, he goes, I said, what's up? He says, I'm gonna go ask her who the real daddy is. But, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> now, but understand me, and you will, when somebody tells you that, that's a great compliment. This wrestling, son's a great wrestler. That's a trip downtown, buddy. You know, it's just a trip downtown. Mm -hmm. But being respectful and being, see, that's a good, it's good for me. You know, it makes me, yeah. but it's, it, but I hope my kids carry that on. And, you know, if you bet my children, you know, it's yes or no, sir. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Uh, uh, it's just the way they are. And I was yeah. the same way, you know, my daddy. That's the way I was raised. Uh, you know, I, my dad was a drill instructor in Marine Corps in his early year when it was real bad, you know. Mm -hmm. My dad was, sir, yes, sir. Sir, get your foot out my head, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, my dad, I'm just kidding. My dad was my best friend in the world. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm telling you, was, gosh, wish, you know, I, I might have told you this, you know, and before my daddy died, I got to tell him how I felt and how much I loved him and, and thank you for everything you've done for me. But after even do it, time to do it again, mm -hmm. you see, mm -hmm. time yeah. ago. Yeah. What's and, up, bud? Well, let me ask you, uh, this is a question. I, well, let me ask you this. What keeps you up at night? Nothing. I'm asleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, is there anything? Is there anything that worries you? Anything you think about that makes you nervous no. or you, you worry about nothing? I uh, I know that you told me earlier you're a Mormon. Mm -hmm. I uh, I'm a man of God. Mm -hmm. I uh, I believe in the in the God Almighty. Mm -hmm. If something happens, it's gonna happen. But uh, yeah. I learned a long time ago. I, you, do you know me? Friends, I've lost this wrestling business. And that's the reason I told you earlier, uh, I always tell them all I love them every night because I might not be able to again. But when I go to bed at night, no. Yeah. Uh, no. That's, I told you yeah. earlier, uh, you know, my dad, you know, he said, what do you go to bed so early? <laughs> you owed? I says, no, I just got a job. Yeah, <laughs> no, uh, no, I don't. Nothing bothers me, uh, and, I, and I'm serious about that. Uh, you know, I I know. You know, I lost my mother. I lost my uh, my dad, and I lost my little brother, uh, and I lost a lot of friends along the way. But uh, you know, I see, that's one. Th I'm not afraid, and uh, that's 
I don't worry about. It. I mean, I'm sorry. If I don't yeah. have a dollar tomorrow, I don't have a dollar. Yeah. You hear me? Yeah. I don't. That, that's a, that's, that's good to be at peace, you know, and that's. Oh yeah. Yep. That's what I was telling about earlier. I, I never screwed nobody in this business. Yeah. And so when I go to bed at night, I, I don't remember. I told you this earlier. I, see, if I would have did that to Robert, I, I would have never had peace with myself again. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't look at our business. A lot of the boys have done that mm-hmm. to each other and yeah. uh, it turned out horrible. Yeah. And it really did. Yeah. I mean, it's a part where you could say, I'm sorry, you know, but yeah, you know, sorry, is it sorry is in between shit and syphilis in the dictionary. To, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I okay. do. I do. <laughs> I have I have one I have one last I have one last question for you and I'll let you go I I appreciate your time and that is that one day you're going to pass away and uh, uh-huh. when you do there'll be a funeral and someone will give you eulogy what do you hope the one thing is that someone would say in your eulogy uh well first of all uh, I'm going to answer your question if anybody says that just to say that I was a good man but I've already took care of that mm-hmm. understand me when when i die mm-hmm. the my wife i'm not going to have a funeral and mm-hmm. uh, he made me mm-hmm. uh you know i'm a, and, and, the, and the reason why and listen to this I, I i've been out so much in my life i meet a lot of people mm-hmm. uh, but a very I, I i'm i'm a I'm a loner, really, just my family mm-hmm. and my mm-hmm. wife. Uh, when I come home, I come home. I don't allow people over at my house. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's why, because uh, I'm a private person and I live up here. Yeah. I'm going to eat your ass up. And, and it's, <laughs> it, but this is, this is my serenity here. Yeah. And uh, that, but you know, if, you know, if somebody would talk about me, it's just it's just to say that I was a good dad and a good husband. Uh, yeah. You know, only the uh, only thing good about with me and my wife was my wife. I met my wife on the road. She was crazy mm-hmm. as I was. You understand me? <laughs> so yeah. uh, and it's not a problem there. You understand that? Yeah. Because before I, I met her, she was just as crazy as I was. <laughs> so it, and that's how I mean, uh, but she knows me. I at one time I'm looking at myself here, double chinned, uh, all this right here. But at one time I was a good looking guy. You, you know? were, hey, you were, like I said, you were a teen heartthrob down down the south out there. You were, you you were, you were the you were the man. Yeah, you were the well, man. Thank well, you, buddy. Well, listen, I got to tell what, you, Josh, I, what's up? No, you go ahead. Finish what you're saying. Oh, I was just gonna say, I you know, I, I appreciate your time. You gave me you gave me more time than I expected. No, it, but no, thank you for uh, for having me on your show. And understand, I don't. I didn't make all the big money. I still have to make a living. And thank you for having me on your show. And I appreciate it. And uh, I hope that one day before I quit, or I'll, I'd love to meet you. If you're around, yeah. come and introduce yourself to me, would you please? I absolutely will. You know, Kevin will. Nash, he intrigues me. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's a big, he's a big guy. 
He's yeah. a and I love Kevin. You know, I I did shoot interviews on him. I hate him, but we was the first one to do that. We drew a lot of money. But I mess with Kevin a lot. Look here, be in the locker room. I tell Kevin duck the clothesline, right? And he had to yeah. stick his arm straight out. Again, I walk right up under it. <laughs> I don't even have to duck. Oh I man, so that's awesome. I got. You. Uh, well, well, listen. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. If anybody who's listened, you know, subscribe. We still got a lot more fun stuff coming up. And Ricky Morton, it's been oh, a pleasure. Yeah. I, you know, I want to tell you, too, if, if anybody out there is interested, you can find me at Real Ricky Morton. Uh, Facebook, Ricky Morton. Uh, SOM 505. I have a live YouTube wrestling show every Sunday from my wrestling school. Uh People, somebody asked me once, said, man, you had a guy on there that was horrible. I told him, I said, it's a wrestling school. <laughs> What'd you expect? <laughs> no, I'm sorry I didn't have John Cena on there, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a school. What do you expect? I got you. Thank you very much, Josh. Thank you.